Sit back and relax. Bridal Bliss provides brides-to-be with the confidence, calm and insight that leads to a once-in-a-lifetime wedding day. Bridal Bliss is the podcast for brides who seek a joyful wedding journey. Here's your host, the founder of the Bridal Bliss community, David Bartholomews. So today we're joined by arguably one of Australia's best DJs, Sean Scott. He is the highest rated DJ within the Griffin Alliance networks. So he has to have fairly public scrutiny of, of his performance with everyone rating his performance after every performance. And so it's a very public level of accountability. So I wanted to just say thank you for agreeing to come on the show, Sean. I know that you work full time during the week, so really appreciate you making the time to come and share some of your wisdom with us and welcome to the show. Thank you, it's absolutely my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Excellent. So I just wanted to kick straight into some questions that I sent through. So my first question is, there's 62 DJs within the network that you work with, all of whom are subject to public rating by actual customers, brides and birthday party people and all that sort of stuff. And out of all those people, you are the number one rated DJ out of the entire team. What makes you number one in that team? I actually had to think quite long and hard about this because it's quite confronting, I guess, to think of yourself being in that position, but it kind of took me back to a recent wedding where I was at and I was chatting to the bride and it was actually the second wedding I had done for her family and I worked out it was the fifth wedding in a row of wedding after wedding after wedding of referrals and I kind of started thinking, well, why is that the case? And I think what makes my services sought after would be the fact of the experience that brides and grooms get as a result of having me as a DJ. And I think brides are willing to recommend and refer onwards. And I think that not only is just because of the experiences they have. I think wedding DJing is less about a performance and more about an experience. I think the level of services allows people to have the experiences at their weddings. And so what is the difference in experience that a bride would have with you that might be different to what other brides experience elsewhere that really makes brides you know, refer you on and, and have those situations where you're just getting referred and referred and referred around family and friendship groups? I would have to say it's the experience not just on the day but prior to it. So I've been thinking a lot about what differentiates me and perhaps it's not so much the performance. I think DJing at a wedding is less about a performance but rather about creating an environment where the bride and groom feel like they're getting what they want and helping them establish what they want. And then also on the night for them just to be able to feel 100% relaxed and 100% happy with the service they're getting. And a lot of that happens behind the scenes, but a lot of that is this reassurance with them in person that they're just really happy with both the music being played, the interactions with guests, the right level of control that they have, and ultimately, you're just having a good time. And I think that only comes from personal interactions as opposed to a DJ that might just stand there and um, sit in the corner and play music. So I think that would be the, the biggest factor there. Yeah. And obviously, the people listening in today can already tell that you're pretty into what you do. Probably a lot of them don't realize that you've got a, a very bright career during in your day job. You'll probably be a high court judge or the CEO of some massive company <laughs> in a few years' time. But you still take the time every weekend to go and serve the community by helping a couple you know, really show their family and friends a great time and create a memorable experience. Why, after all these years of you know, doing this on the weekends and you know, now being in a position to not do this anymore, why do you keep doing it? Why are you so into it? Um, and I think that's a great point, is the fact that I only probably realized a couple of months ago that I don't need to do this anymore. And um, I thought about that quite in depth. And 
The main reason is, and this might sound a little cheesy though, but seeing the reactions of people as they have arguably their most important day or what they might perceive to be the most important day of their life, come to fruition, actually see them really enjoy it and getting exactly what they want and it coming, you know, months of preparation, years of preparation coming forward into this one occasion where they could not be more happy with how the days run. That's probably what does it for me. It's just you get to play a part in someone else's most important day. And um, seeing that happen is really satisfying and quite rewarding. And I think that comes back to the type of service that I like to provide. It's not just playing music, helping with running sheets, helping with other supplies that I recommend, helping feel comfortable with certain questions they might not feel you know, comfortable asking other people. And that kind of thing leading up and seeing months of preparation come to you know, the forefront at one occasion on, on one night, that's probably why I still do it. And I get a lot of personal satisfaction from that. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I, I really don't feel like that sounds cheesy at all. I actually really very much relate to that. So thank you for sharing those sentiments. So I want to now ask what makes you different from other DJs? I know that you touched on the way that you interact with people before the wedding. I, I think that's something you already mentioned, but could you go into a little bit more depth about that or anything else that makes you a bit different? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think as a wedding DJ, I definitely lost my ego a long time ago. And what I mean by that is it's not about providing a performance on a night for me. I think there's other DJs that will probably do that better. Not that I don't take pride in what I do, but what I really mean by that, and I think I'll focus to what I actually do on the night. I spend very little time behind my decks on the night, and I spend a lot of it out talking to guests and to the bride and groom and bridal party themselves. And so what I find is I'm able to connect a, a level, a social level with guests and talk to them about what they want, like what they're expecting for the night, the music they want and just generally how they're feeling and then able to take that back to the bride and groom before the dance floor starts and then provide a really inclusive and involved dance floor that allows people to feel like they're part of the actual celebration itself. And so I think that's probably what differentiates me. I'm not about providing this set playlist that I love and I know works 100% of the time. I really want to get to the core of what the guests at the at the wedding want and then be able to provide exactly what they want on the night and it's quite dynamic and it changes from week to week but um, I feel that's what's really what differentiates me from other DJs in that regard cool cool now this is a question I've been looking forward to asking because I know that this is a question that is going to have a really interesting answer and, and you're the sort of person who has actively sought out to be excellent in in this so I really wanted to find out who trained you? Who do you remember of the people that trained you? Who really um, are the people that influenced you to, you know, elevate yourself to the to the status that you are now as a wedding teacher? Yeah, for sure. I um, definitely didn't originally start out in the wedding field, and so it's kind of been a, a, a bit of a, a journey to get where I am. I originally started training at the Duke of York Hotel with someone named Mitch Burnley, and uh, I spent much time under his tutelage, just mainly watching him play, but also, and probably more importantly, watching and managing some venue dynamics. And so I spent probably three or four months at the Duke every Saturday night from about 9 p.m. to about 3, 4 a.m., just watching him DJ, being able to jump on occasionally myself, but also just watching how the venue operated and changed as the night went on. And I quickly established that that probably wasn't for me. <laughs> And so from that point forward, I started to shift across to functions, and that was probably four or five years ago at that stage. And uh, really, I was originally trained with someone named Claire Casici, and then from that moment, I probably took it upon myself to go out with as many different DJs as I could, 
and I found that that really helped me establish myself as a fashion DJ. So I went out probably with uh, eight to ten different DJs over the span of about a year, even when I was still DJing myself. And what that allowed me to do is really just get a feel for what everyone did individually really well, as well as takeaways from things that I thought they could have done better. And I didn't really try and emulate any of them, uh, like emulate one person, but rather take what they all did well and then put that into who I am as a DJ. And I think one other point um, for those that might be considering training or to learning or becoming a DJ is that ultimately I didn't try and just be the best things of every person. I thought about how that could fit within my own personality and with my own individual identity because I still think you need to be who you are as a DJ. But that's kind of my process. And even to this day, I get really excited when I get to attend a wedding that I'm not DJing at. And the reason is, and I don't care if it's a $50 backyard DJ or the most expensive DJ in Australia, I just want to see what they do well. And, and I still feel that I can take in a lot from other DJs and just watching them. And I think to myself, oh, that song or this set worked really well, or I'm loving how they're interacting in this way. And, and it's kind of a dynamic process of, of seeing what they do well and then incorporating that into, into what you do personally. Brilliant. And that leads me to another question that I've been really looking forward to asking you because I know that there are so many people on this list. Who have you trained and where are they now? I guess the interesting point in this regard is I've only actually really trained one person from from start to finish and and that's Pat Trainer. And even in that situation, Pat was already really well established in the hospitality industry and a great DJ and a great person and, and had a ton of experience. But I guess my tendency and my hesitation in this area is I've been very hesitant to take someone directly under my wing because I know such a, that's such a large commitment. But I have had 20 to 30 DJs over the last couple of years come out with me and um, come out for a couple of nights at a time and just to see what I do. And in that regard, it's been interesting to see how they take things up and, and what the uptake is, but also reflecting myself and how I train and why I do certain things, which has helped me kind of affect my process a little bit and um, be a little bit more aware of what I'm doing and, and being more of this behavior. Ever diplomatic. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so on to some things which might be of direct use to brides in their wedding journey from getting engaged to the big day. What are the big mistakes and myths that you see in the wedding industry that you see kind of tripping people up or leading people down the garden path? I think it's a difficult question because every bride and groom is so different, so advice to one person might be different to another, but I would have to say that I see a lot of brides come in who want their weddings to be the current popular way, and they want to find this cookie-cutter method that's really popular, and then just emulate it, and my advice always is that you need to tailor your wedding to who you are, and yes, I can play you a really static, I guess static is not the word. I guess I could really tell you what, you know, nine out of ten weddings I see are like at the moment, but you're going to lose your self-identity in that and your day will be more memorable if you work out what you want and you work out the music that you love and makes you who you are and then incorporate that into your day. So even if it's not music, even if it's just styling differences or different running sheets and, and how the night plans out, if you can make it your own way, your friends will appreciate that and they'll love it for it and don't be afraid to put your own identity into the, into the wedding because others won't think it's weird or different. They'll know that to you are and they'll appreciate it for what it is. I know it's a little bit specific but I see quite a lot of it and it's definitely one of the biggest pieces of advice I hand out. 
I often say, bride and grooms will often apologetically ask me, oh, can we do it this way? And I say, there's no need to be apologetic. This is your wedding. You can do it whatever way you want. And I find that as a wedding supplier, um, it's more interesting for me and I'm more willing to step outside the usual model of weddings to try and facilitate your own vision or dream of what you want. And um, it, it makes a lot more fun process. Brilliant. Thank you for being so specific with that. That leads me to my next question. You work with a lot of brides on, on a day-to-day basis. What do you see brides doing that just looks to you to be a massive waste of their time that's you know, something they spend a lot of time either thinking about or doing, but you know that in the end it's not something that ends up bearing fruit on the day? I think it's an interesting one. If you look at DJing, for example, sometimes I'll get a bride and groom that gives me 12 hours worth of music for a five-hour event. I think to myself, well, They've obviously put a lot of effort into this and they obviously have a very specific music taste. And I'll often get the instruction that they only want to play this music list and it's you know their favourite music and, and it means a lot to them. And I, I completely understand that and that's a critical part of, of what the wedding is. And I don't want to sound contradictory to my previous question in terms of my, my previous answer in terms of making a wedding specific to who you are. But I think the biggest waste of time is micromanaging suppliers to the absolute T. I think when you're paying for good quality suppliers who have really had a lot of experience in their respective areas, you're paying for a level of service experience that only they can give and allowing them to have the flexibility to take your vision for the wedding but also make sure that it's going to work and make sure that it's going to be the best it can be. I feel that a supplier's input into the night is really valuable and I think if you micromanage your suppliers too much, you lose a bit of their experience and you lose a bit of their quality that you're really paying for by going with purely what you want and it's a two-edged sword because you know your guests better than everyone else so yes you should have a significant input into say the music but I often recommend for a bride and groom to say give you know 10 to 20 of their favorite artists and their favorite genres to me and that way I can get a feel for exactly what they want but also when I get there on the night I can have that input from the guests and read as well and that allows me to put my touch on it as well. That will probably be the biggest mistake I make. I think there's a lot of wasted time into micromanaging suppliers that when you're paying for good quality suppliers, they have a lot to offer as well. Interesting, interesting. And, and yeah, I like the way that you differentiate between the one side of personalization but the other side of knowing when to let expertise take the vision and run with it as well. It's a delicate balance, isn't it? And I think with that as well, that if you've got the right person coming in and you've communicated your vision of what you want, that'll come naturally. And then if it's a good supplier, then they will actually help fulfill what you're really looking for. So I think that's the benefit of, of having a high-quality supplier assisting in your wedding. Mm. So you see a lot of brides and communicate with a lot of brides in the lead-up to their wedding day, and then you get to see whether or not they end up having a really good day. And so a question that I really like to ask experienced suppliers like yourself is, in the lead up to the wedding, what's the attribute that you notice most that is in common between brides who end up having a great wedding day? What is that kind of united kind of common value that you see between brides that end up having a really good time? What's the sort of things that you see them displaying early on in the process which make you go, oh, wow, this bride is going to probably have a really good wedding no matter what I do? Once again, it's a very interesting question because you get such a variety of different brides. And I thought long and hard about this and I really couldn't identify one attribute. 
And obviously, the more relaxed the bride is prior to the wedding, uh, I feel like the, the wedding day itself goes better. But I think it stems back to what the bride's expectations are and what the reality of the actual wedding day is going to be. So I feel that brides that have grounded expectations of, of what's going to happen, but uh, then when it actually comes around to the actual wedding day itself, they know that they've done all this planning, all this effort, and if something not exactly how it is, they don't freak out about it, and um, they just go with the flow. And I guess it gets come back to another point where is that often your perception and what the guest perceptions are, are very different. And so it's less worrying about having this perfect day in your eyes, but looking around it and thinking, well, these are the people that I love, these are my closest friends, and we're going to have the best day of my life together with the people I care about the most. I think when people have that attitude and they're more relaxed going into the wedding, the wedding flows so much better. Yes, you need songs played in certain orders, and yes, you need the same pieces to look perfect, and you know, there's other all these requirements that we might think is important, but the, the ultimate thing that you remember the most is the memories of that you have with your guests. I think when brides have that at the forefront of their minds, the, the, the smaller details, while important, they're not at the forefront of, of kind of your concerns, and, and that's when the day goes. But I know that, once again, is probably not the clearest answer, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult question. Hmm. I've, I've tried to make these questions difficult so that they're not obvious and not things that brides <laughs> would have heard before. So thank you for taking the time to give such a you know, clear and concise answer to what is, is quite a difficult or complex question. Here's a question that might be a bit simpler, but one I've certainly been keen for you to share some experience with brides with because you're a little bit famous for it, that when other suppliers or venues stuff things up, you tend to be able to make the best of a bad situation when it's beyond your control. So I was wondering, I know that there's a few situations that you've been in where you've really basically saved someone's wedding day. Uh, I wanted to share your thoughts on what is the disaster that you closely averted that a bride, you know, really appreciated you averting? Yeah, I think uh, when, when facing issues at weddings, it's really about how you communicate them and then also help the bride feel comfortable or the groom comfortable with the situation that, that was happening around them. I remember one time I was at Golden Winery and it was a lightning strike and the whole of the town uh, had lost power. And so we're sitting up at Golding Winery. The only light we had was candlelight and uh, no power whatsoever. Luckily, the food had been served and there was no issues, but there was this lull in between dinner and what was meant to be the dance floor. And so I think ability to be creative in these kind of situations is very important. And uh, we came up with a very creative solution to try and have some, some music going during the night. So we ended up backing a Fujero full drive into the wedding venue and I sat in the back seat, connected up to the Jero with my DJ equipment into the car itself, playing out of the car audio. We had one of the most fun dance floors I've ever had, um, sitting in the back of the Jero while people danced around the cars as there was a power outage. And um, the bride and groom, you know, could have looked back and thought that, oh, you know, my wedding was ruined because my sound system wasn't working. We had to back a car into the, to the venue. But how you communicate it and then the outcome you get is so important. And all they could think about was this amazing experience they had as the you know, guests at Dance Round at Pajero. And luckily, uh, as the silver lining to that story, the power came on about half an hour later, and we were able to go on and have a fantastic dance floor. But I think that flexibility to think outside just the, the norm and the regular kind of situations and think, oh, well, there's no power, you know, the night's over, and being creative in solution making is very important to overcome any issues or problems on the night.
<laughs> That's an awesome story. Thank you for sharing it. And my final question before we go, because we're just running out of time now, is what advice would you give now if you could go back to yourself 10 years ago and have a conversation with yourself? What would be the advice that you might give yourself? Just It doesn't have to necessarily be about weddings, just about life in general. Yeah, no, I think I'll take it towards weddings because I think it applies to general life in general. I used to stress so much before weddings. I remember I would sit there and playlist for five or six hours before weddings and I would be covered in sweat when I rocked up and I kind of thought of how important and the gravity of the day and, and my, how significant my role was. But the more I relaxed and the less I worried about myself and was able to focus on my surroundings and helping others have a good time, I naturally did my job better and better. I think when you stress about the little things, you lose focus on the big picture and that is you know, the enjoyment and the result you try to create. And so I'll probably say the advice that I would give to myself is stress less Worry more about the big things. Notice that what songs you play in what order or what you do in life in, in your short-term decision-making, while important, you've got to keep focused on what the end goal is. And um, I'm a lot happier going to weddings these days and a lot less stressed, albeit the preparation is still very important. But um, stress less, things will work out. And even if something does go wrong at your wedding or in life, you know, it'll still work out and the wedding will be amazing, life will be amazing and you'll get where you need to get. What great general advice and yet specific wedding advice. That, that's brilliant. Thank you. So were there any other things that you wanted to add for brides or anyone else listening in to think about or to share with them from your experience? I'll just say that um, when booking supplies, feel comfortable with them and make sure you communicate really well with them and uh, your wedding day is going to be so much smoother. A lot of the effort happens before you get there. And so the smoother you make it, the greater you communicate. If you have any questions to ask, I think as a supplier, and I know from you know photographers or celebrants to a DJ, we're also willing to help and uh, have been to a few weddings. And so if you have any questions or concerns, don't hesitate to call or send an email. And um, you'll just find that you relax a lot more. Your suppliers will relax a lot more because they know what's going on as well and, and, and they know where you're coming from. And the whole day will just go so much smoother as well. Thank you very much. That's all great information. I mean, I've learned some stuff as well just talking to you today. So thank you for that and I hope it's useful for the people listening in as well. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Very much appreciate you sharing your time. I know how busy you are and it's been really interesting to just hear your unique slant on the way that our industry goes and the way that brides and and other people can make the most of it. So thank you very much for sharing your time. Thank you very much, Dave. That was Sean Scott. He is the number one rated DJ within the Griffin Alliance DJ Network. Thank you everyone for listening in.